In bull investment grade corporate credit, credit selection is paramount to driving long-term performance. ETFs and, and other passive products typically are, are buying when things are rich and selling when things are cheap. And you know, active managers are able to take advantage of, of those flows and the indiscriminate selling that's really driven by the need to get liquidity as opposed to selling the, you know, the names that, that actually have credit issues. Um, so we believe you know, performance over a long period of time from an active management perspective will outperform that of, of, of passive investment opportunities. Welcome to Distinctively Active Investing, Profiles and Perspectives, presented by Touchstone Investments. I'm Blake Moore, President and Chief Executive Officer of Touchstone. On this show, you'll find out what makes Touchstone and its portfolio managers distinctive. We share in-depth interviews with people who are actively engaged in leading and managing the Touchstone funds, and you will hear from other industry professionals as well. Chris Mathewson is a portfolio manager of the Touchstone Credit Opportunities 2 Fund. Aries Capital Management serves as a sub-advisor to the funds. Hi, I'm Ben Algy, Divisional Vice President here at Touchstone Investments. Our guest today is Chris Mathewson of Aries Management. Chris is a partner and portfolio manager of U.S. Liquid Credit in the Aries Credit Group, where he is primarily responsible for managing Aries' U.S. high-yield credit strategies. So Chris, where are you from and how did you find yourself entering the investment business? So I was born in Orlando, Florida, 1982, feeling a a bit old here at 38 now. Lived there for the first about 12 years of my life. And then we relocated to to Wichita, Kansas, went to middle school there and then uh, finished up high school as well. Followed that up with uh, Dartmouth, played football there for for four years. Great experience. Following that, moved to, to New York. It's been great being in multiple parts of this country. You know, now that I live in Los Angeles, I've kind of seen and experienced a, a whole bunch of different cultures and places within the country. Uh, and I definitely think that's, you know, provided me with a lot of perspective that, uh, you know, that I use in, in my day-to-day uh, investment uh, experiences. From a how did I get into the investment world pers- perspective, you know, that was really one of those things I had never even thought about whether it's investment banking, which is where I started, as well as, you know, an asset manager now until getting to college. Lots of conversations with friends that were, you know, a year or two older than me on either on the football team or in my fraternity. And, you know, it just seemed really interesting. I'd always been interested in, in, in economics, and this was just a way for me to kind of take the, that knowledge and, and experience and kind of put it into a real world use. So that's really kind of my background and, and, and where I come from. And being involved in the investment business, do you happen to remember your first investment? So I do. And it actually ended up playing out in two different ways. So I'm not going to recall some of my, you know, my first investments. I had lots of high school jobs. I worked for my dad and his factory and and all that other sort of stuff. So I had a little bit of money saved up and bought some stocks, whatever. But my first real investment, I would actually say was Freescale Semiconductors. Bought it in 2005 area. I uh, had, a, had a friend that was working at a, at a hedge fund at the time, and we were kind of sharing ideas um, when I was a, a, an, anal, an analyst and, you know, thought that they would actually get taken out. It was a, a leader in the space, you know, Razor flip phones, that sort of stuff. Ended up working out really well. The company got bought uh, and taken private via an LBO. Now, fast forward a couple of years when I moved to Aries, 
I was actually the the tech analyst uh, before I became a portfolio manager and ended up making an investment in Freescale, both at New Issue. And then when I became a senior analyst, uh, we actually (laughs) ended up buying over $250 million of their debt at 60 cents of the dollar and and you know made a whole bunch of money on on that one via kind of it, it didn't end up restructuring but just you know the the market's kind of snapped back in, in 2009 so it was it was really kind of an interesting dichotomy made made money as a you know 24 year old person in, in the equity markets and then you know took that knowledge of the company and and, and put it put that to work in, in kind of a distressed way um, as a senior analyst at Aries so Right after Dartmouth, so I started out at Lehman Brothers doing CLO structuring, uh, actually. And then after about a year of that, I, I moved over to investment banking within Lehman and the communications and media group and did that for about a year and then moved over to Aries. So graduated college in 2004 uh, and then joined Aries in late fall of 2006. As I just mentioned, you know, I started out doing CLO structuring and I actually worked on a couple of Aries deals, helping to structure their CLOs. We're one of the largest CLO managers out there. Um, so I knew the firm really well, knew the, you know, knew the people, knew the culture, knew, you know, how, how great of a place it was. And then after I moved up to investment banking, just to kind of get that corporate finance uh, background, because I, I felt like that would be something that would, you know, help me down the road from a business perspective. Uh, one of my really good friends that I had started training with it at, at uh, Lehman uh, had actually accepted a job at Aries. He later became a portfolio manager and, and partner as well. And so, he, you know, I was just talking to him and, you know, he he recommended, said they were looking for an analyst. I gave my resume and, you know, next thing I knew, I'm moving out to, to Los Angeles uh, after a couple interviews and, you know, never looked back. I never thought I'd be a West Coast person as someone that's, you know, lived on the East Coast or the Midwest my entire life. But now I'll <laughs> be really hard to to kind of leave 70 and sunny every day. Chris, for those people that are not familiar with Aries management, can you describe Aries in a nutshell? So Aries is a roughly $150 billion alternative asset manager split between three distinct but integrated business units across real estate, private equity, and credit. I sit within our liquid credit business, which is approximately $30 billion dollars. You know, we've been doing this since 1997. We were founded as a as a credit business, and we've added private equity as well as real estate. And you know, really, we believe our competitive advantage is what we call the the, the power of the platform, and that really is sharing information across all the various business units. And what does that really mean? So, you know, obviously, with the current economic environment that we have today, we're making sure that the senior leaders across real estate, private equity, direct lending, liquid credit, and our alternative credit business are, are, are sharing all the things that they're seeing across you know, the various markets that they participate in, whether it's rent payments, whether it's interest deferrals, um, just to make sure that we're using all this information to, to make the best investment decisions possible. Um, the other thing I would uh, would add is, you know, we really help ourselves out from a allocation perspective on the liquid side, just given uh, the breadth of our overall business. You know, we're a huge fee payer to the street across private equity, across our CLO franchise. Um, so, you know, when when the street is looking at us, they're not looking at it as a thirty billion dollar liquid credit business. They're looking at us as a, you know, call it hundred billion, hundred fifty billion dollar asset manager. So the Aries uh, edge versus its competitors, I, w- I would say, is twofold. 
it is this sharing of information across all the various business groups. And it, it is unique to us. Everybody says they do it, but we really do. And you know, we're making sure real estate and direct lending, liquid and private equity are all sharing best practices, best ideas, so that we really know what's going on across all the various sectors of the, the business as well as the economy. So that's one. The second is this is a, a convergence between direct lending and liquid credit. So our, our credit business is just over a hundred billion today, roughly 70 billion direct lending, roughly 30 billion liquid credit. And what you've seen is as the direct lending business has grown up and moved up market, you know, they're moving into the more liquid syndicated loan space of the market. And so what we're able to do on the liquid side is to partner with them, do larger transactions where we're getting either preferential allocations, we're, we're benefiting from incremental fees as they underwrite deals. And we also get unique insights into the businesses because in most instances, these direct lending businesses that grow up, you know, we've got a long history of knowledge with them. We've been lending to them for 10 years. So we, you know, we have unique insights for management. We have good relationships and we're just able to kind of hit the ground running faster than a lot of our competitors when a new deal comes to market. How would you describe the Touchstone Credit Opportunities 2 fund that is sub-advised by Aries? The Touchstone fund is truly a go-anywhere best ideas from Aries fund in a, in a daily liquidity 40 act um, vehicle. This goes anywhere from par bank loans and, and high yield to stressed uh, distress, which we then leverage, you know, our our special situations group um, to structure credit, um, which we leverage our alternative credit business. So we're able to give our investors the best of Aries within a daily liquidity fund. You know, at its at its core, this fund is predominantly high yield and bank loans, um, and they're more on the performing side. Obviously, as the market environment changes, we will tactically allocate between stressed, distressed, uh, and, and structured credit, uh, all based on relative value. You know, over the last year, we've really been moving up in quality and, and, and not having much in the way of distress because we didn't feel like that was the time in, in the market. But as, as, you know, as levels have traded off, we've definitely rotated more into the stressed and structured products part of the market. This fund is able to tactically allocate across all these various asset classes based on where we see the best value in the market. Over the last decade, you have seen a convergence between high yield and bank loans. But the key difference between the two asset classes is bank loans are predominantly secured. So you have secure, a security interest in the assets of a company and high yield is predominantly an unsecured asset class that is junior to the bank loan. So bank loans are typically prepayable at par versus high yield having call protection. So you have more upside in high yield if spreads compress and the, the bond trades above par, but having that upside, you lack in security interest like a, like a bank loan. Why does Aries think credit makes sense today, given everything that's been going on in the market and the broader economy? So, you know, that's a question we've been getting a lot over the last, uh, you know, couple of months. You know, clearly there's a significant amount of stress in the in the overall economy right now with everybody sheltered in. We view the loan 
high yield and structured credit markets as attractive today because you know you've you've seen a significant movement in spreads to compensate you for the increased risk from a from a default perspective that alongside a very accommodative fed and government um, that's basically said we're going to do whatever is necessary to take care of the U.S. as well as the, the the global economy. So you have spreads in high yield and loans around 800 over, you know, that compensates you for a, a lot of default risk. And there's there's a significant amount of history, and I'm just going to quote high yield for, for a second, where when spreads are at 800 or better, forward returns over the next 12 and 24 months are in the high teens annually. So we feel like this is a, a good opportunity um, to be invested in credit relative to, to other asset classes that we're seeing out there. So in your career, you've been through the tech bubble, the financial crisis, and now the coronavirus. What are the biggest changes you've seen in your career? So I'd say the biggest, the biggest change that kind of go hand in hand, I would, I would say two of them. So one, passive investing has become a much bigger part of our market, obviously see very large within equities, but then it's become a bigger part within bank loans as well as, as high yield. And what does that do? That leads to a significant amount of buying and selling, not driven by credit, credit, but just simply driven by flows. So this matters more today because of some of the regulatory changes that have impacted uh, bank balance sheets and their unwillingness to kind of hold inventory. So now you have more flow-driven, non-credit-related movements in loans and bonds, and you have the street desks not willing to take inventory. So it's led to more volatility within the markets, uh, both to the upside as well as the downside. So I would say that's kind of been the biggest change, and that's really been exacerbated over the last you know three, four years. How does Aries incorporate ESG into its investment process? ESG is definitely a much bigger part of the process today than it was five years ago. You know, our investment process utilizes uh, MSCI rankings, but we also recognize the need to provide capital to kind of the, the good actors within all the, all the various ESG classes. You know, data supports that investing in higher quality ESG or higher rated ESG businesses leads to, to higher returns. And we also recognize that we need to be good actors within within the world. You know, we're we're all seeing the environmental change. Uh, we want to take care of people from a social perspective, and you know, we want our companies to be good. You know, corporate citizens. You know, from a G perspective. So, Chris, over the next ten years, what does Aries believe will be the biggest trends that are going to drive market performance? So, I think there's a, there's a couple of things that we we should highlight. Private credit has become a a very large part of the the leveraged finance market. Um, the other thing I would I would say over the next ten years is you know passive is going to continue to be a, a bigger part of our market, but I believe that that's that's going to lead to more inefficiencies and the need for credit selection because you know certain companies in, in a more passive driven market are going to be giving capital that shouldn't be getting it, and so that's why it's paramount to have a deep bench of credit analysts. You know, to make sure that you're you're you know picking the right credits to put into your portfolio. Why does Aries think that active management matters in credit going forward? In bull investment grade corporate credit, credit selection is paramount to driving long-term performance. ETFs and, and other passive products 
typically are, are buying when things are rich and selling when things are cheap. And you know, active managers are able to take advantage of, of those flows and the indiscriminate selling that's really driven by the need to get liquidity as opposed to selling the, you know, the names that, that actually have credit issues. Um, so we believe you know, performance over a long period of time from an active management perspective will outperform that of, of, of passive investment opportunities. What's the best career advice you ever received? Uh, sell energy. And buy Amazon. Uh, I'm I'm kind of kidding, although that would have been a great trade. Yeah, really, at the end of the day, it's stay true to your process. And you know, this sounds kind of corny, but you know, work hard and, and be and be kind to people. And I think that that goes a long way in, in terms of your career, in terms of uh, good performance, as well as just being a good you know coworker and friend to the people you're around. Chris, who is your investment mentor, and why are they your mentor? His name is John Loop. He was the former PM of, uh, of the Touchstone Fund alongside me until his retirement about a year and a half ago. You know, he really just, he took me under his wing and, you know, helped me to become a better portfolio manager. He challenged all the, every assumption I ever made. And, and that really just, while it could be annoying at certain times, it, it definitely made me a better investor um, when he would just kind of constantly take the other side and, you know, help me think through things. How, how is this going to impact X, Y, and Z investment houses to impact the economy um, and just, you know, really helped me think through how I should be positioning the portfolio. What keeps you up at night work-wise? Outperforming. I say this to, to a lot of people, you know, as a PM, there's really, there's now three numbers on a page, your performance, the benchmark, and the delta. And there's really nowhere, nowhere to hide. And there's, you know, the buck stops with you. So, you know, every night I'm thinking through, you know, are we positioned correctly? What are the changes in the economy going to do to, you know, how we're positioned? And so what changes I need to make to make sure that we're in, you know, in the best position to, to, to perform well. So that's something that I think through every single night. So Chris, what are your hobbies outside of work? Used to be golf. But with a one and three year old, not not doing that so much these days. Also with the shelter in place, <laughs> but you know, golf is golf's been something I've done since I was four years old. Love it, and it's just a good way to kind of get out, get outside, get a little exercise, and kind of take your mind off stuff for you know four or five hours. Uh, I also like the fact that it's there's nobody to blame but yourself. So there, you know, I do like team sports. Like as I as I mentioned earlier, I, I played football in college, but I do like the aspect of you control your own destiny in, in, in golf. If you weren't in the investment business, what do you think you'd be doing? You know, I think it'd be really interesting to to run a small business. Uh, my dad uh, started a manufacturing business uh, after he got back from Vietnam. Uh, basically out of his mom's garage. Uh, it was a sign and decal business in, in, in Wichita, Kansas. It was just himself before he sold it. They had, you know, nearly a hundred employees. You know, he had to work really hard, but you know, there's something, and he worked long hours. There's something really rewarding about building something up yourself uh, and then taking that all the way, you know, down the road and employing people and, he was really close with all of his employees and clients. And I think that'd be something that's, that's really interesting to, to do if I wasn't doing investment management right now. Lots of leaders have daily routines to keep them at their best and stay focused. Do you have anything like that in your daily routine? 
obviously every day in the office is, is very intense. So when I leave the office, I, I try to at least get a run in, try to get to the gym, you know, give myself just maybe an hour to, to, to decompress. I do have a one and three-year-old. So the moment I get home after that, it's dinner time, bath time, book time, bedtime. So, you know, just having that one hour or so just to kind of kind of get away from it all really does, I think, help me recharge, uh, you know, for the next day. So Chris, what is the most interesting place in the world that you've been to? South Africa, without a doubt. Safari is incredible. The people you meet there, the animals that you, you know, you get to see how close you get to them. Words and pictures cannot describe it. I loved every part of, of that country. Obviously, there are some lingering issues with respect to race and, and, and poverty, but everything that I saw and you know the people that I met, it was just a great experience across the board. Thanks to Chris for sharing his insights today into Aries' investment process, as well as his personal interests and background. Until next time, I'm Ben Algy. Thank you for listening to Distinctively Active Investing. You can find the resources mentioned in the episode and learn all about Touchstone at www.touchstoneinvestments.com slash podcast. If you like the show, please share it with someone you know. We appreciate when you subscribe to the show and take the time to leave us a rating and review. Find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. I'm Blake Moore, and from all of us at Touchstone Investments, thank you for listening. The companies mentioned in this interview are not held in the Touchstone Credit Opportunities 2 Fund. LBO is an acronym for the term Leveraged Buyout, which is the purchase of a controlling share in a company by its management using outside capital. CLO is an acronym for the term Collateralized Loan Obligation, which is a single security backed by a pool of debt such as corporate loans with low credit ratings or loans taken out by private equity firms to conduct leveraged buyouts. ESG is an acronym for Environmental, Social, and Corporate Governance, which refers to the three central factors used in measuring the sustainability and societal impact of an investment in a company or business. MSCI ESG ratings aim to measure a company's resilience to long-term, financially relevant ESG risks. Investment return and principal value of an investment in a fund will fluctuate so that investors' shares, when redeemed, may be worth more or less than their original cost. All investing involves risk. Performance data quoted is past performance, which is no guarantee of future results. The information provided is for general information purposes and is not investment advice. Opinions may change without notice based on economic, market, business, and other conditions. Please consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the fund carefully before investing. The prospectus and the summary prospectus contain this and other information about the fund. To obtain a prospectus or a summary prospectus, contact your financial professional or download and or request one at touchstoneinvestments.com resources or call Touchstone at 800-638-8194. Please read the prospectus and or summary prospectus carefully before investing. Touchstone funds are distributed by Touchstone Securities, Inc., a member FINRA and SIPC.